Thank you, Lord. You know, God is just so present with us here this morning. And I just have a, just a sense of God wanting to meet with us and touch us. You know, like, like we can be on a pathway, but God is on a pathway as well. And every now and again, those pathways collide. We can think we're doing something, but God has other plans for our life. How many people know that, you know, life doesn't always work out the way we plan it. But when we give it to God, something happens. And this morning, you know, there's just a strong feeling that God is going to collide with your life in a new way. If we open our hearts to him, God will touch you and, and bless you this morning in a powerful way. Amen. You receive that? Amen. God bless you. You can have a seat. Well, just so fantastic to be here. Thank you for the, the amazing welcome. Thank you. And uh, it really does feel like we're coming home this morning. I right? just, just feel like that. We just feel like we stepped through the doors into family and... And uh, we don't know everybody here, of course. Some of you know. And I just have to say, I mean, I don't think anybody in this church gets older. It just, absolutely, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, actually, I think you're actually getting younger. Every couple of times we've been back, it's amazing. Probably because we're getting older. You all look younger. But if, if you want to join a church, this is a great church because they, people get younger here. There's a, there's a fountain of youth somewhere in here, and they're all drinking from it, so... We're just um, so thrilled to be here, Wendy and I, and um, it's been seven years since we left. We have been back a couple of times, and that seven years has felt like a lifetime in so many ways. It's felt like multiple lifetimes, and, and there's been a lot happen in seven years. I, I bet there's been a lot happen in your lives, and there's been a lot happen in our lives, and we want to share a little bit about that this morning. But we, we do want to say how much this church has been a part of our lives, and not just while we were here, but... Many will know, we, we came and joined the church here and, and with our two boys, Andy and, and Benj, and, and Benj has since married a lovely local girl and had a couple of grandchildren. Are they here this morning? Are they in the house? Oh, yes, down the back. Good-looking couple at the back there. If you speak to them nicely, they might come and join your church. No, no. <laughs> ben earns really good money. It'd be good for the tithes. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, I just lost my track, so that's why one should always stick to the notes, <laughs> yeah. But you've been part of our life right, right through the time, obviously, we're here. But after we left, and, and you'll, some of you will know that Andy was killed six years ago and when he was living in Perth, and we just want to thank you for the part you've played in our lives through that time. And the part you played in Andy's life here, and I, and I won't start making mentioning names, although he lived with Carl and Ange and ate their fridge clean <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, and to Mike and Kim as well. See, I've started saying names now. <laughs> I'm in trouble. But you've played such a huge part in our lives, and, and that's why for us to come back in today, it's not just like coming back to, to family in that sense, but you, you mean so much to us. And, and we love you dearly, and you've been, been amazing to us and supported us and, and prayed for us. And our, our lives change, you know. Uh, and I think someone once said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And how can you prepare for the unexpected? And yet through that time, we've just known God's presence in his, in his life and his power in such an amazing way um, that it's quite hard to describe. And we'll, we'll try a little bit of that this morning. But this is my beautiful wife, Wendy, my only wife. And 
Yeah. And I, I think you, Wendy's going to share a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to say too much, um, but I just I want to say thank you too, uh, that you've been such part of us and our journey. And, um, you know, we, we do still miss Andy every single day. And I, I think it's always good to be real about things, and that's me. I'm a real honest person, and I wanted to die when Andy died. And um, that's how it was. We'd already... Um, our, um, my sister's son, Scott, had been murdered um, 10 months before Andy, and we moved to the North Island to try and support them and then found ourselves in exactly the same situation, which is we still look at each other and think we can't believe what's happened. Um, but, you know, even feeling so low and so desperate, um, I would always say that Jesus was close, closer than a breath away. Mm-hmm. And he's never, you know, we were singing about God's faithfulness. He was always there. And it doesn't minimise the feelings because we're, we're human. We, so we feel exactly what you would, might imagine you feel. We did. We do. And um, it's still hard. But um, we've learnt so many things. Um, and I think <coughs> those, some of the thing, those things are the um, forgiveness is a process that we still have to learn because we have to, we've had to learn to forgive the, the man, Stephen Smith, that, that killed our son mm-hmm. um, and other people as well. And also um, the power of the mind, um, that has been a real battle place and it probably is for lots of us, is when, when you're in your quiet moments or in, even in your daily thoughts is that the replay of things that will want to put you down, put you down, negative, 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 and try and rob you of the, of what, the life that God has for us. And um, so that, that's a learning process. It's a constant thing every day. It's a d- decision to get up, get going, and, to, and get the mind under control. Because uh, sometimes we can all feel like that. We feel sorry for ourselves, and down we go. But um, we've learned so much about that. Um, also, the power of, of gratefulness and thankfulness and we are, every day, we're thankful for our family, for, for Ben and Jess and their little girls, and our daughter Katie and, and her husband Dan and her, their little children too. And, and all you people, there's so much to be thankful for, and we are. We're thankful for Andy. And, and we want, I think, I, this, just when I was standing there, I thought this morning, we, we're not afraid to talk about it. Mm. So sometimes it can be like a taboo. Oh, that, that's terrible, you know. Ooh, and, um, but we're not afraid to talk about it. So if anyone ever wants to talk to us about any aspect of, of what we've been through, we're more than happy. And, mm. But most of all, I just want to leave you with that. Com- I want you to know we have a compelling determination to leave a legacy of love, faith, and forgiveness to the future generations and to all the people we meet. Mm. Oh. I just forgot to, on a practical note, um, when, we went, um, we, when we went through stuff, I, I wrote a pamphlet about how to, um, tips, tips on coping as a victim and also the people that are trying to support the victim. So I'll leave a few here, but it's, it's real practical stuff about what to do and maybe what not to do. Um, there's, no, there's no mention of God in it because we were doing it when we were working with victim support. So, um, you know, don't think it's a heathen thing or anything. It's just basic, practical stuff. I think that's one of the things we did find is some of the practical things that you need to survive. You know, we went through the, the time when, when just getting up in the morning and making it to 10 o'clock 
was like in a major life achievement. Um, and it's some of those practical things, putting your life together back so you can move from that place of being a survivor into back into life again. And moving from being a victim and, into being, you know, moving from the why me. You know, we went through that so strongly. Why me? Why us? Why Andy? Lord, we trusted you as, as Christian parents. We trusted you. Why, why that? And you move through that stage of from why me and why that whole victim attitude into what now and what next. You know, God begins to open up. It's not just about um, recovery. It's about discovery. So we move through those stages. And some of that requires practical understanding of how, because you're thrust into this life that you've, no one's prepared you for. <laughs> And, and you're just shattered and destroyed and, and you learn and, and there doesn't seem to be a handbook on it out there anywhere. Um, but it's the same with a lot of things that we face. So that's a, a really good thing to, to pick up and, and, and have a look at. Um, this morning I'd like to, to speak on the subject of life, which is sort of appropriate, isn't it? And, you know, not, not just normal life, but the precious life, this amazing gift that God has given us that every one of us has been blessed with and every one of us is going to stand before God one day and give an account for this amazing life that he has given us. And how many people know right now in, in, in this world, and we don't have to look too far abroad, we can look on our own backyard to know that this world is in desperate need of a touch of God's life and the power of life and the power of hope. We see so much of it around. We, we've got nothing to boast of in this country about our youth suicide rate and our mental health state. And we just need the touch of life like we've never known before. You know, Jesus said the thief comes to rob and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and life more abundantly. That's a life from heaven. That's not a life that we find here on this earth in your job, in your finances, in your relationships. You don't find that life anywhere but in Jesus. And it's abundant life that he comes to give us. I want to read from Luke chapter 7 this morning. This, this story, actually, I was contemplating on this when, when I was preparing the message. And I figured that this passage, I spoke on it in 2001 at the Teachers College, when I think we might have been Northwest New Life or something like that. Um, but this is a slightly different take on it, right? Because life has changed a wee bit since then. But in Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, it reads, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nan, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry or don't weep. And then he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God, as you would. And a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And here we, we see this amazing encounter of Jesus in this situation, and he was moving and walking with his disciples, and it wasn't just the 12. Jesus had gathered up a large crowd, and when, when the Bible talks about large crowds with Jesus, that could be in the thousands. 
And this whole crowd was walking with Jesus. They were coming into the city called Nen, and they were just approaching the city gates. And you can imagine this crowd because they'd seen miracles, they'd seen people healed, they'd probably been healed themselves. Maybe even some of them had been raised from the dead. They'd certainly sat under the teaching of Jesus and felt his authority and his power. Some had probably been even fed bread, miracle bread, real, real bread. And they were following to see what was going to happen next. This was a, a crowd of joy and crowd of anticipation and faith. And it would have been a, a real buzz amongst these people. And as they were moving along, to approaching the city, out of the city, the Bible says, came another large crowd going in the opposite direction. Except this crowd was being led by a casket, a, a bier where they carried a dead body on. And this procession was a procession of exactly the opposite. There was no hope. There was no joy. But there still would have been a noise because they actually used to wail and, and it was quite a big procession. So here we, we have the one procession, the procession of life going in one direction, exactly in the opposite direction, the procession of death. No hope, no joy. And you know, this woman, this, she had lost her son. But she had not only lost her son, she had lost her husband. So this was grief on top of grief, sadness on top of sadness, brokenness that probably never got healed, and brokenness on top of that. And this was a desperate situation. And you can imagine as they, this crowd of Pentecostal-type people were proceeding along and coming to the gate, they suddenly realized that they were alongside a funeral procession. And the, probably the buzz quietened down, and they were rather hoping that they would just keep walking, and Jesus stopped. And he stopped and he walked over and he spoke to that woman and he looked at that woman and he said to her with great compassion in his heart, do not weep, do not cry. And do you know what? In, in our lives, God has always got the habit of becoming very personal, even in a crowd. This, this was a crowd of thousands but when you put them together. And Jesus just spoke to this one woman and he spoke to her and said, do not cry and do not weep. And I've discovered that in crowds, we're in a crowd this morning, but you know, the Holy Spirit has got a way of making us feel like we're the only person here. He will speak into our heart. He will step into our situation right into the depth of our mess, and he will speak directly to your heart. You know, even in, in John chapter 3, we, we read there that well-known chapter and verse, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. It starts out with the big picture, doesn't it? God so loved the world, the God, the creator of this earth. But then it becomes very personal, very quick. And he says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. All of a sudden, it's personal with God. And then he moves on and says, whoever, you ever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's got this way of bringing the large and the big picture right down into your life, into your situation. I love that. You know, there was a time when Jesus had sent the disciples out and they all came back and Jesus said to them, who do the crowds say that I am? Who do the crowds say that I am? And they started rattling off things. Or well, some say you're John the Baptist, come back. You're Elisha, you're a great prophet. And you know what he said next? And what about you? Who do you say that I am? And that's what God does. He takes the crowd and he just brings it down and puts the spotlight right on you and right on my life. And God has just got that ability this morning to step right into the middle of your mess, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life. God will meet you there. I love that. 
God is just so interested in you. You know, David said, I could go to the depths of hell and you would be there, Lord. I could go to the highest mountain and you would be there. And, and, I, and I know that for us, that for, for Wendy and I, when particularly in those early days, you know, I, I ranted and raved at God. I, I, there was, I don't think Wendy did this, but I did. I, I sort of shook my fist at God and said, why has this happened? In fact, God, you better be real. This whole thing, heaven better be real. Andy better be in heaven, Lord. Because if you're not real, I'm going to come and get you one day. <laughs> sort of never even made sense. But. but at that same moment of feeling complete abandonment and complete utter loss, we would hear, both Wendy and I would say, we would hear the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts. A, a, a moment, a word. We felt it on a number of different occasions, and we both talked about that separately afterwards. But right in the worst time and the greatest sense of, of separation you could ever feel, we would hear God. And we'd know now God was probably closer than he has ever been in our lives in those moments. And God was willing to step into that. We don't know why, but we know God. <laughs> you know, if we, could, if we could bring God into our understanding, he would no longer be God. And there are times when we just say, God, what is, what is? But you are who you are, and I will trust you. I put my trust in you. know, sometimes faith is more about when you don't feel God. And then sometimes the feelings are real. You know, I guess even this morning coming here, we were, we were excited, but we're a little bit apprehensive as well because of, you know, Andy being such a part, and he was playing the, you know, the drums and, and fantastic music, by the way. There's going to be brass in heaven, I know. That's awesome. But we, we see that, that great drummer, whoever you were this morning, and it just brings those pangs back um, about Andy. But you know what we've discovered? You can't heal what you can't feel. And sometimes the pain can be our friend because it brings us close to God. And in, that time, in those times when we feel it, God begins the healing as well. But then Jesus stepped over and he spoke to this woman directly. But then he puts his hand on the buyer and stops, the, stops their procession. Only God has got the ability to stop the procession of death. And he, and he says this, he says to that young man, he says, young man, I say to you, get up. And that young man sat up in the coffin and started to speak. Could you imagine that? That was, that was just an amazing happening. I had something happen a little earlier this year. Um, my mother's partner, my mother's 85, and, and she had a partner, got a partner. He wasn't my father. She had, my father and her had been married, and then they got separated, and then my mother married again, and, and, and he was killed, and then my mother had this other man. Was, I, I love my mother. She's gorgeous. <laughs> She's about five foot something and Irish and got plenty of attitude. She's a real sweetie. But her partner, Bernie, um, became sick last year with terminal cancer. And he, he became, became very sick and, and was getting to the stage he would probably need hospitalisation and, and uh, hospice, going into the hospice. And I get this text from my mother, and it says, all it says is, Bernie has gone. That's all it said. And I thought, Bernie's gone. That's unexpected. That's quicker. Things have accelerated. So I tried to ring her. I tried to text her. I couldn't get hold of it. Nothing happening. Fifteen minutes later, I get a text from my mother, and it says, Bernie is alive. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is going on? There was about ten exclamation marks, Bernie, Bernie is back. And, and I finally got hold of my mother. And, and what actually had happened was 
He had passed out and gone unconscious on the floor. And my mother sat down and put a cushion under his head and a rug over him. And she knelt beside him and she said, I'm telling you, there was no pulse and he was not breathing. And he went in funny color and he was like that for 10 minutes. She'd rung 111 and was waiting. She said, then, all of a sudden, he opens his eyes, looks at her and says, hello, dear. (laughs) And and she said, I almost died, you know. (laughs) If he'd have died, then he would have died again, and it would have, would have been crazy. And finally, the ambulance came, and they took him, and he was taken into the hospice, and, and from there, uh, he passed away. But there was something amazing that happened, and that I actually, I actually really believe, because we've been praying for Bernie, that maybe in that moment, he had an experience with God, because he was at peace after that. He was ready to go after that. And so we don't, we don't know what happened, but... We'll call it a a resurrection, short-term resurrection (laughs) from the dead. But God did something in that situation. But could you imagine here, just this man, young man, sitting up in the coffin and start talking? That's That's an incredible thing. But you know what I've come to understand? That not only is God always personal, but he's always powerful. He operates in power in our lives. And only Jesus can actually stop the power of death and work in our hearts. Only God can break the chains. Only Jesus can step in and bring us true freedom that he's promised us. You'll get it no other place. It only is found in Jesus. He's the one who has that power. Do you know that when, when they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a, a set of battalion and a great crowd. Possibly I've heard up to six or 700 people turned up to arrest Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? And it was in the dark and, and Judas went over and, and with that kiss of betrayal, identified Jesus. And the Bible says this, that the commander went up to Jesus and he said to him, are you Jesus the, the, uh, from Nazareth? And he said, yes, I am he. When he spoke those words, yes, I am he, that whole battalion, six, seven hundred people, were flattened by the power of his word. Isn't that amazing? They were just struck down. And they had to get up again, and he had to ask Jesus again, are you the one we're looking for? And Jesus obviously dialed it back a little bit. He said, yes, I am he. Isn't that amazing? There's incredible power in the name of Jesus. We were amazed earlier this year, we went to a um, conference in Auckland, and there was a, um, a big act in town while we were there. Her name was Adele. I don't know if anybody went to see Adele. Um, we weren't. We were there for spiritual reasons. But um, we were at a conference. But one thing that we noticed that was amazing is all on the motorways were these big digital signs warning people to be off the roads at about 4 o'clock because there was a major event on. And I just thought about the power of a name. That one person, she filled... That stadium, three times, I think it was, 40,000 people at a time, but she brought a city to a standstill where they had to make alternate logistic arrangements because of that one person was in town. But we serve a man. We serve the Son of God. His name is Jesus. There is no greater name than his name. The Bible says every eye will see him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that indeed he is Lord. And we can do that now or we can do it then. But the truth is every single living person will bow before the name of Jesus. You can imagine that. There'll be no pride. There'll be no self-exaltation. We will just bow at the name of Jesus. That is a very, very powerful name. And you know, that is the true source of our life, correct? 
We want life. It's found in Jesus. It's who you're connected to that brings you life. I've got a couple of little props here that I'm going to... uh, I hope they've survived. I just ripped them out of the neighbor's garden this morning. (laughs) Looked a little suspicious wandering around the neighborhood with my choppers. (laughs) But this, this is a... A branch, a tree that was connected. Or well, it was this morning, all right? But you see, if you're connected, there's life, correct? And you've got to be connected to the source of life to receive the life. This one here, that's not connected and hasn't been connected for some time. That's, that's a dead branch. That's got no life in it. But this one is, is teeming with life. You can see the evidence of life. It flows. You don't have to, this tree doesn't have to say, I'm alive. You look at that and you know it's alive, don't you? The life is there. And in Jeremiah, it says, 17, I think it is, it says that, you know, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, for he should be like a tree that is planted by the river. We've got that up there. With its roots reaching deep into the water, a tree not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. Its leaves stay green and it goes right on producing all its luscious fruit. That's that tree. But, you know, sometimes we can, you know, people maybe who don't know Jesus, they, they, they think they're living a good life, right, sometimes. And they see Christians come along like this. And they, they look at Christians like that, all right? And, and they're living a life they think is good. And we come along and say, hey, man, what's going on? You know, I'd like to, I'd like to tell you about Jesus, you know. <laughs> you need Jesus in your life. And this guy's going, what? You know, he said, what are you doing? Well, I'm watching rugby. I'm doing what, you know, good fellas do. And we're trying to tell him about life we have, but he doesn't see it like that. And, and that's a little bit difficult sometimes. And you say, well, why don't you come to church with me? Why would I want to do that? Well, there's a whole lot of other people just like me, you know? <laughs> you too can be like me, you know? You should see our pastor, you know? He's <laughs> we call him the branch manager. <laughs> but sometimes that's how it is, isn't it? You know, and we're chasing them. They go, oh, get away from me, brother, little crusty Christian, you know, chasing... But the truth is, the truth is, and we know that when we're connected to Jesus, it's true life. And we don't have to declare it so much. We don't have to go around bashing people because the life is seen. It's seen in the fruit. And there's a wonderful in Ezekiel. We haven't got this verse, but in Ezekiel, and actually also in Revelation, it talks about the river of life that comes from heaven. And everywhere that river went, it brought life and fruitfulness. And the trees bore their fruit month after month, 12 months of the year. And that's the, that's the life that God wants to bring into, into us. Amen? Not that. That's where we were. <laughs> that's you, Carl. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a fruitful vine. But that's, that's the power of life that God wants to bring to us today as we connect with him and stay connected to the source of life. But you know, what's amazing from here is, is Jesus just didn't heal this man and then move on. But it, he turns and he, and he takes that young man. In verse 15, he says, The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And some versions say that Jesus presented him back to his mother. And you know, God's not just interested in healing us and moving on, but God wants to restore us as well. This was a restored relationship. This woman had lost her son. He was, he'd been taken We don't know how, but there was something 
in the compassion of Jesus that was not just about fixing her temporary need. He brought restoration into her life. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring a full restoring. And I, I have to say, I had some trouble when I was preparing this message. And I said, Lord, that's all right for this woman. She gets her son back. What about us? You know, it, it's Andy's absence that hurts. We've not only been robbed of the life we had with Andy, but we've been robbed of his future, of his family. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't, there, there's no legacy of his life. And so we've been robbed of that. And if you've lost somebody in your life, and, and there'll be many of you today, you'll know that that's the power of grief. It's not just about a past that's lost, but it's a future that's lost. And I, and I had a little issue with this. What about this woman? And, and there was two things that I felt God said to him. It was a little slight rebuke, and it was like, how I deal with her or how I deal with anybody else is actually none of your business. <laughs> and that's true. That's absolutely true. We can look at people's lives and say, it's not fair. What about them? And, and it was hard because sometimes we'd come into situations where people would talk about their family and their children and, their, and, and, um, and it was hard to talk about a son we didn't have right there with us. And we've had to learn to deal with that and cope with that. But then I felt like the Lord say this, I will restore all things. There's going to be a day when God will restore all things. I believe there's a day when Andy will be presented back to us. There's a day in heaven. And if you've lost somebody, I'm telling you this, if you know they're with the Lord, you're going to see them again. They will be presented back to you. And that is a precious and it is a powerful thing for us to understand. But, you know, it didn't stop there either because... I'm, I'm picking, it doesn't say, but this procession of death that had now been stopped and was becoming, becoming one with the procession of life was no longer going to go to where they were going. They didn't need to go to a funeral. They didn't need to go to a cremation. They were now part of the procession of life and going this way. And every one of us have that choice. We can be in the procession of life or we can be in the procession of death. They are two different directions. We have that choice today. And in, in, in Deuteronomy, the Bible, God said to his people, he said, today I've set before you life and I set before you death. This is God's multi-choice. How many people love multi-choice? This is not a difficult one, folks. There's only two options. And then he gives us the answer. He says, choose life. Choose life. Choose blessing over cursing. And that's the choice that we had today. And you know that city Nen that, that Jesus was going to and they were coming out of? That, is the, that word nen means beautiful or lovely. It's the same word that's used in, in the Old Testament. It says, how beautiful, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's what it was. They were heading back for good news. Could you imagine that, going back into that city and the rejoicing and the, and the joy that was going to follow? And you and I are heading towards a city. It's called heaven. <laughs> We've got a heavenly city, and that's going to be a city of joy and great news and great blessing, and God wants to bring us to that place today. And I guess I'm, I'm just going to wrap that up now. But you know, if you haven't picked it up, I actually gave you three, three points this morning. <laughs> God is always personal, he is always powerful, and he's always purposeful. And when God deals in our life, he touches us deeply and personally. And he touches with, with power. Only God can set us free. Only God can save us. No one else can do that. But it's always for a purpose that's greater than ourselves. And it's sometimes greater than we can understand or even know. 
And this morning, my, my call to you would be, maybe the musicians could join us on stage, but this morning, the, the challenge that I want to bring to each one of us, and the question I have is, is probably the question that Jesus would ask. So the crowd say this and the crowd say that, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say? What have you got to say about Jesus this morning and his place and part in your life? And I'd, I'd ask you this this morning, are you in the procession of life or are you in the procession of death? See, Jesus has come that we might have life and not death. And in his name, all those who call upon his name will be saved. Everybody who names the name of Jesus, everybody, the word says, who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth will be saved. We are brought from death into life. And it's only found in the name of Jesus.